Well, we are continuing on our series called The Greatest Story Ever Told. And this morning we're going to be looking at an Old Testament book. Um, the book is entitled Hosea. And uh, Hosea was a prophet. Um, this story is about 2,700 years ago, 2,700 years ago, okay? So it's about 2,700 years ago. Um, last week we talked about the book of Amos. Um, Hosea um, actually happened um, before Amos. Um, so, or, or excuse me, following Amos, just about 30 years or so following the book of Amos. Um, Hosea, again, was a prophet. Um, so... Back in 1936, um, King Edward VIII um, had married an American divorcee, and he had to abdicate his throne, give up his throne. And King Edward was going to make a radio speech, uh, a speech that was being broadcast both in England and here in the U.S. And um, moments before the speech happened, the, the radio signal would come into a to a station in New York City, and then that station, that signal was going to be broadcast all out, you know, his message all out throughout the rest of the United States. And just minutes before King Edward was going to speak, um, someone was walking through the studio, and they tripped over the line, and they broke the line where the radio communication was going to come through. Nobody knew what to do, what are we going to do, no one knew how to fix it, you know, time is ticking, time is ticking. And then right before King Edward spoke, um, an engineer, of course, figured out what to do, and the engineer grabbed one end of the radio signal line and the other end of the radio signal line and held the radio lines together, held them in his hands as the king spoke. The message came in, he received the message, and the message went through his body and to the other end, and it was broadcast out into the rest of the United States. Oftentimes, in the Bible, a prophet is kind of like that. God speaks to somebody, they hear God's message, and their body becomes a mouthpiece for God to communicate his truth to everybody else around there that's listening. Um, sometimes in the Bible, a prophet, again, someone like a spiritual radio, sometimes they proclaim God's word. They preach, that's how the, what happens, is they preach God's word to people and they listen and they hear it. It's proclamation, it's preaching, people hear the message. Um, sometimes a prophet um, doesn't just proclaim it, but they, they are more predictive in what they say. It's more like foretelling the future, events that are going to take place. Sometimes these things intermingle and they happen together. But we think of, of prediction, of foretelling what's going to happen. A prophet would do that. At other times, a prophet um, would be a living message they would be a living message of God's message to people. It would almost be like a play. And they would play a part. And they would not just um, hear the message, but they would be the message to people around them. They would live it out. They would be a demonstration so people could not just, see, not just hear, but they would see God's message to them. They were, their lives were a demonstration. Oftentimes in the Bible, you would see these things intermingling and and there were a lot of odd things that would happen in Scripture. Um, there are some prophets in the Bible. They're called, again, these spokespersons, mouthpieces, spiritual radios, if you will, right? Um, sometimes we call them, <coughs> excuse me, we call them major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. And they're called major prophets, not because their message was more important, just simply their book was much longer. 
There are other prophets that were called minor prophets. Last week we talked about Amos. Amos was a minor prophet. Today we're going to talk about Hosea. Hosea is a minor prophet. And it's not because their message is less important. It's because their book or their letter or their poems were much shorter. So we call them minor prophets. And again, at times when people were called to demonstrate God's message, sometimes it got really weird, honestly. Um, Isaiah, um, if you read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 3, and you don't need to turn there. And by the way, there's no fill-ins this morning. This is just more of a story that I want you to kind of listen to and kind of find yourself in the story. Isaiah chapter 3, um, I think is verse 20. Uh, it tells us that God spoke to Isaiah and he told Isaiah to take off his clothes, and Isaiah walked around naked for three years. I wouldn't want to be Isaiah, right? Isaiah, God says, Isaiah, take off your clothes, you take off that burlap, you know, and he walked around naked for three years. Uh, Jeremiah was another interesting person. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a major prophet. His book was really long. And God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah went and he hid in his underwear underneath of a rock by the Euphrates River. He hid in his underwear. And then when he came out and he began to speak God's message, he had this, this crossbar, this um, yoke, these oxen yoke on his shoulders, and he carried them around, and he would proclaim God's message to people around him. Jonah, of course, was another prophet. And Jonah ran from God. And, of course, we all know the story of Jonah and the whale, and he got swallowed up and spit out and wouldn't want to be Jonah either. Ezekiel was another prophet, wrote a long book. And Ezekiel... He had to eat the uh, scroll. He actually literally eat God's word. And at another point in time, God tells him, uh, Ezekiel, I want you to lay on your side for 390 days. He had to lay on his side for 390 days. At another point in time, he has to uh, cook his, his food over, over manure. At another point in time, he um, has to speak to these bones that are dead and they come to life. I mean, just, you know, kinds of weird stuff sometimes. Prophets had to demonstrate, be a living story of God's message. But of all the prophets that happened in Scripture, the one that I wouldn't want to be the most is Hosea. See, because God told Hosea, Hosea, I want you to be a living illustration of my people and their spiritual unfaithfulness. Hosea, I want you to be, to demonstrate my love for my people that I will always pursue them, that I will always draw them, that I will always call, call them back. Although there might be consequences at times for living a sinful life, there's this principle of sowing and reaping and, you know, there's going to be consequences at times and God disciplines us to pull us back to him. Not to punish us, but to pull us back. He's like, Hosea, I want you to demonstrate to people their unfaithfulness and my love. And again, this is written 2,700 years ago, and um, sometimes it's like, well, how does this apply to us? Well, we're reminded in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are called and chosen, you're a holy people, you're a royal nation, you're a holy nation, you're a priesthood, you belong to God. 
So God wasn't just talking in the Old Testament to the, to the people group of Israel, this northern tribe. But today, he's talking to you and I through the same prophet Hosea and speaking to us if we belong to him. And he's calling us back to him. It's like, Hosea, I want to demonstrate my love for my people. I titled this message this morning, A Love Story. I think it's God's love letter, his love story to you and I. Hosea chapter 1. God speaks and he says, the Lord gave this message to Hosea. So God gave him a message. And then in a couple other verses, he's going to say, Hosea, I want you to be the message. It says, the Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Joash, was the king of Israel. So it happened during this, probably this 30-year time period when God gives this message to Hosea. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel, the northern part, the northern ten tribes, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, remember he was at spiritual radio, he said to him, Hosea, I want you to go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. And this is why, Hosea, because this will illustrate how Israel, how God's people have acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Can you imagine? I just can't even, I have a hard time even picturing this. I mean, I don't know. I was just, you know, thinking about it. What does this look like? I mean, did Hosea know Gomer? I mean, that should have been the first red flag right there, you know, marrying somebody named Gomer, right? Did he know her? How long did he know her? Did they go to high school together? You know, I mean, I imagine that, you know, Hosea was, you know, probably button-down shirt and wore khakis. And, you know, Gomer probably was in algebra class with him. And she's probably the one that needed tutoring. And, you know, and Hosea was the khaki guy. And so Hosea probably helped her with his tutoring or whatever. And, and um, he probably knew she was kind of loose. He knew that she was probably sleeping around with a lot of the guys in the school. She probably came from the other side of the tracks. I, I don't know how this worked its way out, but Hosea going to her house, knocking the door. Diblium answers the door. Yeah? Uh, Mr. Diblium, uh, is Gomer home? Gomer? What do you want Gomer for? ha, ha, ha. Uh, what? Well, I, I want to marry her. <laughs> Gomer? I imagine Gomer walking from the back of the house. Hosea, what are you doing? Gomer, I, I want to marry you. 
I imagine them getting married. Those first couple of years are probably pretty good. New marriage. She's trying really hard. Start having kids. Verse 4 says, the Lord said, their first one's a boy. Name the child Jezreel. The Bible names always had some kind of spiritual significance. Jezreel was this place, and it means to scatter. It was also a valley. And God's people have been really disobedient there. Just some shameful things there. Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty. He was one of the kings to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. All of a sudden, God is using Hosea to predict what's going to happen in the future. And we would know that this would be months at most, maybe a year after Hosea starts speaking this message, that the Assyrians, modern-day uh, Iraq, would come down out of the Euphrates River, the same place that Jonah was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Nineveh. Nineveh was a city in Assyria. They were the most brutal and wicked and vile people of all times. When they would come in, they would conquer people. They would put them on sticks and they would rotate them and they would burn them and they would peel their skin off of them. Last week we read about Amos and you, you probably didn't catch this in chapter 4 of Amos where it talks about, Amos says like all oh, the women of Israel, they're like cows of Bashan like you know, and then it talks about having fish hooks in their mouth and what would happen is that the Assyrians when they would come in and they would conquer a people group, they would take hooks and they would run them through their mouth and they would yank them and pull them along in that train taking them to where they wanted them to go and they would scatter them all throughout their kingdom. And that's what's going on here. God's saying because of their disobedience, the people are going to be scattered. Because of the sin, they're going to be scattered. Verse 6 says, Soon Gomer became pregnant again, and she gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah. Lo in, um, lo in Hebrew means no, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. They had turned their back on God. They were running to these idols and to these, you know, they were running to, to commit spiritual adultery. Name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah, not loved. Verse 7, but I will show love to the people of Judah, the southern kingdom. I will free them from their enemies. It would be another 30 or 40 years before the southern kingdom would be taken over by the Babylonians. It wasn't time yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses or charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. Because nothing could stand in the way except for God's staying power. After Gomer weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she again became pregnant and she gave birth to a second, second son. Boy, girl, boy. And the Lord said, name him Loami. Again, not or no. It means not my people. For Israel is not my people. And I am not their God. They had turned their back on God. Verse 10, yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore. <coughs> Excuse me, too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said. When it seems like all hope had been lost at their lowest point, God said, you are children of the living God. 
then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. God's demonstrating this picture of what's happening. (coughs) Chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. God says, now, Isaiah, or Hosea, I want you to bring this charge. He's kind of like a lawyer standing before God's people. Bring this charge against Israel. <clears throat> Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and I'll sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for olive oil and drinks. I see this picture here of people, of God's people, pursuing all these other things in their lives. We would call them sins of the flesh. And what I see here is this picture of bondage that happens when we pursue things outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. Peter speaking, he said these things when we commit spiritual adultery, that we, as God's people, we pursue these other things, they promise freedom. Oh, you don't need to be faithful to your husband, to your wife. You're going to find freedom. You don't need to be held in bondage to that. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. God's people were finding themselves in bondage to sin in their life. God goes on, speaks to Hosea, chapter 2, verse 7. He talks about those things that we find ourselves in bondage to. He says, when she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. There's going to be this void. It will never fulfill you. That sin, that disobedience to God, that relationship, you name it, you fill in the blank what it is in your life that you're pursuing that is disobedient to God. You will search for them, but not find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. It reminded me of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Paul said, the things that I don't want to do, verse 15, oh, those are the things that I find myself doing, what I don't want to do. What I want to do, I don't do. I do what I hate instead. Oh. I'm a miserable person. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Paul said, oh, I thank God. I know the answer is Jesus Christ. Hosea's 14 chapters. I want to give you a few more verses. Hosea chapter 3. And remember... Jose marries her. He's betrothed. He marries her. They begin to have kids. She begins to commit adultery. She she begins to prostitute her body. And she's so desperate that she finds herself in slavery. I doubt it when Gomer grew up, if she had a little Barbie that was a prostitute doll in slavery. She said, oh, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Like, I don't, I don't really picture that. She found herself in a spot that she never imagined that she would be in. 
But when you pursue that void and that bondage of sin, then you become a slave to it. And you're always chasing after what you can't find, which is never going to bring joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and set you free in your life. God says to Hosea, Hosea, go and love your wife again. She left him. She left her three kids. She left her family. Go and love your wife again, Jose, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate, I want to show my people that the Lord still loves you. Even though the people have turned to other gods and they love to worship them. Verse 2, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Could you imagine? Josephus, a lot of historians talk, talk about the slave time and you know, what would happen during slavery. And people were sold into slavery and they would march people into a, to a, a marketplace and they would stand them on a stone. And they would march them up there. And they would virtually be naked. Because everybody wanted to check out the merchandise. They wanted to know what they were getting. I can imagine Gomer being ushered in. And only men at this time could buy slaves. And she was naked or nearly naked. Gomer standing there had sold herself into slavery. Jose is in the crowd. I can imagine the auctioneer saying, hey, well, we're going to start with uh, five shekels here. We've got one that's been used and abused, but we're going to start really low here this morning. Do I have five shekels, five shekels, six shekels? People begin building, bidding. Finally, Gomer, Hosea, shouts out, I'll give you 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Because that is my wife. I can't imagine what's going through Gomer's mind at this time. And I imagine for placing his coat around his naked wife. It's like God covers us. He covers us with his presence. And I can imagine Hosea saying, Gomer, it's time to come home. I love you. It's time to come home. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, says that Jesus gave himself to be crucified on our behalf, to redeem us. Jesus gave himself to purchase us, to buy us back, to purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify us for himself, a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic about doing what is good. Jesus purchased us, not with money, 
He bought us back out of the slave market with his blood. Ephesians 1.7 says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. You know, I doubt if Hosea ever forgot what Gomer did. But forgiveness is not about forgetting. It's about choosing not to hold someone's sins against them. And I imagine that he brought her home and he told Gomer, Gomer, I forgive you. I'm not holding this against you. You belong to me. You're mine. The message is our last verse. The message, more of a paraphrase, puts it like this. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We are a free people free of the penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds and not just barely free either. We are abundantly free. I believe that Jose said to Gomer and I believe that God is saying to some of you that are here this morning thinking it's too late. God's saying it's not too late. You belong to me. It's time to come home. Some of you have been wandering. Some of you have been wandering. Uh, we're not, uh, Hosea chapter 4 talks about the people. And had they had no knowledge of God, it says that they lacked not just intellectual understanding, but it had, they had no relationship. And some of you have walked away. You've sold yourself into sin. God's like, no. I love you. I've purchased you. I've paid for you. And it's time to come home this morning. Jesus, thank you this morning for your word and for your work that you're doing in our lives. We trust you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we declare that we belong to you and we will follow you. Thank you for loving us, Jesus in our lowest moments, our lowest points. Thank you for not giving up on us, but pursuing us. In Jesus' name.